Um, welcome back to uh, part three. Um, uh, part two, I didn't really give an intro. We just kind of got directly into it. But since this is the next day, uh, I might as well do a little intro. Um, we're going to be talking about Dr. Sleep. Um, from... Uh, uh, yes, 2019. Uh, directed by Mike Flanagan. So... Uh, Liam isn't here. Uh, he couldn't make it for this discussion because he hasn't seen the film and he's only read um, about half half of the book. Uh, so he couldn't make it for this discussion. But um, So what is Dr. Sleep about, Andy? Dr. Sleep follows Danny Torrance. Um, I don't remember how many years exactly after The Shining, but uh, Danny is now a a grown man now, and he's struggling with alcoholism. So he travels to fuck. I forgot where it was. He travels to um, travel the world in the seven seas. Shit, that's gonna bother me. There, no way to travel to. Alcohol's anonymous. It's just. Okay, it's just a New Hampshire town, anyways. But Travis is New Hampshire town, town, and uh, joins Alcoholics Anonymous, which actually leads me into that um, parallel I was going to mention earlier in the discussion with The Shining. Yeah, spoilers, by the way, spoilers for this and The Shining. So if you haven't seen that, uh, you know, but here's your warning. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so in Shining, right? Jack has the interview with Allman, and that office, the exact layout of the office, and everything, and his conversation, and like, conversation is not really important, but basically, Jack's whole, like, Jack's downfall begins from that interview and on, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that's where it all starts. When kind of. goes crazy. Meanwhile, in Doctor Sleep, Danny has the interview with the guy who's running the Alcoholics Anonymous group, and it's the same exact layout of Stuart Allman's office, which is mainly just like a Easter egg, really. But it, I didn't I, catch like, that actually. I had an epiphany last night when I was thinking about it. From that point on, for Danny, it's all uphill, pretty much, because he eventually gets sober, finds a place to live, and, you know, it leads into him fighting off the true knot and winning, of course. Hmm. So I just found it in this interesting parallel that that office is kind of like the point of no return for Jack and the point of, like, Redemption. Or redemption, yeah, for Danny. Hmm, that is interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that it was the same, um, same type of office. Did it have a window that led to nowhere? Um, I, I don't know if the window technically led to nowhere. It's Doctor Sleep, but it was the same office layout, including the window. I'm pretty sure. Um, so this film, you know, it's a sequel to The Shining. Um. I remember when it came out, and, like, I wasn't really... I, I had just recently seen The Shining, like, maybe, like, a couple weeks before it came out. Uh, so, like, I wasn't, like, a huge, you know, like, a huge, um... Uh, I wasn't very knowledgeable about The Shining or anything. I was like, oh, cool, you know, it looks cool, you and McGregor and stuff. Um, so I, I saw it in the theater, and, like, I liked it. And then, like, as I started to like The Shining more, since then, I, I started to, like, think that I didn't like this movie. Uh, and then I rewatched it, and I, I have some thoughts. I, I'm I'm mixed on it, but uh, how how do you feel about this one? I actually really like Doctor Sleep. I think it's a great sequel that accomplishes what it had to do, taking like balancing the book and the movie version of The Shining, and the book and movie version of Doctor Sleep, which I I, I haven't read the Doctor Sleep book, but it kind of just fixes some of the things that Kubrick did that were 
was different from the book Shining. Yeah, it's definitely a sequel to like the Shining film and the Shining book. Um, and, and that's one of my main problems with it because like um, I really I, I enjoy the film. I, th- I think it's good, but like I don't really like that they kind of explain a lot of what's going on with like the you know the Shining stuff and the um, what happened at the Overlook. Um, like I, I think that kind of takes away you know it being a sequel, like you know a very direct sequel. They even have like scenes in it where they're like recreating shots from the Kubrick film. Um, I think it takes away some of the mystery and like. Um, like, you know, paranoia of the first film by, like, over-explaining it and making it like the book is when I really don't think the film is anything like the book. Like, I talked about it in the, um, uh, previously in the Shining discussion. It's, like, I mean, I do think it's good as, like, a sequel to the book, but it's, like, also not. So, like, I, I don't really know how to feel about that because, like, I don't really like some of the elements of it because it's, like, you know, they, um, the, um, do they have a name? But the, the, like, uh, Rose the Hat and her gang uh, thing. Like, Steam Vampires. Do they like, have a name? Soul Steam. Yeah, do they have, like, so, like a name of, like, what they are? Nah, it's just the true not. They have... Um, like, semi-immortal vampires who, like, suck steam out of people. Yeah, it's alluded to that they're centuries old and shit, and they've been around forever. They've just been feeding off people or, yeah, people who have the Shining, and they typically go after kids, because that's when it's at its, like, peak. peak. Yeah, because, like, yeah. there's a thing where it's, like, Dan, uh, you know, grown-up Danny, he says, or there's something about, uh, like, he, his Shining has kind of, like, dull, been dulled down from, like, the, his alcoholism. So yeah. it's, like, maybe it's kind of, like, your, your Shining, or your Shine can be, like, uh, polluted i guess over the years and maybe like kids it's like more more pure shine which like to me that kind of cheapens what's so great about the original film it makes it more of like it almost reminds me of like uh in the um star wars uh the phantom menace when they explain when they're explaining what the force is and they make it as like something that's not really mystical and weird it's like i don't know <laughs> it's like they explain it too much it, I, it just makes it like you know the overlook hotel like in, in The Shining, it would mean that the Overlook Hotel was just trying to get Danny's shine. Because it's like they were, because that's what it is in the book. And that's what the, um, you know, uh, the True Nuts are, are trying to do. So it's like, it just makes it too clear to me. And I, I don't really like that element of it. But like, other than that, I, I, I do think it is a pretty, it's a well made movie. I, I think it's pretty entertaining. But uh, what were you going to say? I think the film, I, I kind of. I don't know if this is the right word, or, like, I don't know if either book for Shining or Doctor Sleep, but I think the film does a really good job of a balancing act, trying to honor both the movie and the book. Hmm. I mean, well, no, that's not what I mean, but, like, the movie and it being a sequel to The Shining... Which is kind of, yeah, it's it's its own thing. It's not just trying to be The Shining, uh, which yeah. is something I really like. It's definitely its own separate thing. But like, I almost feel like it could have been more separate uh, from The Shining. Um, I don't know. I haven't read the book. Uh, I read like a plot synopsis. Uh, maybe I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but um, um, let's see. No, Um. Fuck. I know I want to say more, I just don't know how to leave into it. Yeah, um... Dan, like, locks ghosts in a box in his mind. Oh, yeah. That's fine, new. I, uh, I, I don't... You didn't see the extended director's cut. Mm. Movie, yeah, I was I gonna don't. ask you. I, I own the extend cut, but it was on Blu-ray, and I own the 4K of Doctor Sleep, so I was like, you know what? I'm not sure how many times I'm really gonna watch this movie, so I was like, fuck it, I just watched the 4K. Uh, well, what is different in the extend cut? Because, like, I, I feel like that might be better. So there are sections of the movie I feel like maybe could have been expanded upon more, especially with um, Jack, how it just cuts um, his, it's like, kind of skips over his whole recovery uh, from being alcoholic. It just says, like, eight years later or something. Um, and, like, I feel like that's really a kind of important part of the story, and they just kind of skip over it. Uh, same with, like, him as he's working in, like, a, what is it, like a... Um, 
um, like an old people home or something. Yeah. What, what, and like you know, he um, you know, that's where the the name comes from. How he's like, uh, he'll like talk to people like before they die and stuff, and they call him like Doctor Sleep. And the guy's like, "What are you? Some kind of Doctor Sleep?" And then like title card pops up. Um, I don't. But did really it like expand expand upon that more in the extend cut? His journey from sobriety to sobriety. Yeah. Um. You know, it's actually been a decent minute since I saw the director's cut. Pulled up an article here to help me jog my memory here. Um, I know the scene in the beginning of the movie, which is actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It starts off with Rose the Hat, who is an absolutely great character, in my opinion. I love how Rebecca Ferguson plays Rose the Hat. Hmm. I thought she was a very intriguing villain. She's very uh, hot. Yes. Also. But <laughs> but the uh, intro sequence where uh, there's this kid that Rose the Hat is talking to and basically she persuades the kid into going with them so they can kill the kid to feed off of her shining because the kid has a shining. So it's alluded to from the opening scene that the two not go around hunting kids and possibly adults. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it alludes to the true not kind of hunting people down with the shining, usually kids. Yeah, but like you pretty much get the same idea uh, from the opening scene without being extended. Yeah, I'm reading through like what the extra things are. I don't really see it's anything it's, that looks like it's like too extreme. Um, like nothing that was like like a whole subplot or something that was cut out. There's a chapter structure in the movie in the extended version, which I thought was neat actually. Mm. I think it's a it's it like the way it neatly folds everything into its own little separate area. It doesn't make it feel episodic. It just feels like a really long movie. Rather. Yeah, because it is like two and a half hours. I think they extend because like three hours. Um, yeah. It's uh, yeah, actually movie. being episodic, that's kind of like The Shining was with like the uh, dates and like the times of day uh, throughout the film. Yeah, but uh, like one of the more critical scenes that I remember being extended is the uh, Dick Halloran's return because he it's Danny and young Danny because they have that conversation in the beginning of the movie at the bench. Oh, I'm yeah, that's interesting because Florida. Yeah, that's something that's interesting because I know uh, in the book, you know, I don't think he would be dead uh, because he didn't die in The Shining in the in the book. Uh, it probably played out exactly the same, except for he's just like not like a ghost. Yeah. Mm. Probably, I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't matter if he was dead or not. It could have played out with him just having a conversation with Danny from his mind. Because I, I think, because Danny contacts Dick and tells him to fucking come help him while Dick is vacationing in Florida in the first place. Like in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, he like calls down and like. In the film, there's a great scene where he's like laying in his bed and you see music and it's like zooming in. Uh, yeah. It, it, that's a big like plot device in this movie. I mean, with uh, Abra and Danny. Abra Kadabra. Yeah, contact each other over a long distance and the true not hunts down people because they can feel their presence over long distances. Yeah, they're kind of like. Um... I don't know what is like pen pals back and forth. They're like writing on uh, Dan and Abra. They're like he, she'll like write on like his chalkboard from like uh, however far away or whatever. That's kind of an interesting element of it. Um, oh. Then like uh, at the one part, uh, I forget. I think it's when she um, uh, when she sees the uh, Jacob Tremblay. I forget his character's name, but like the little boy uh, Jacob Tremblay yeah. getting like brutally killed, uh, which is a pretty good scene. It's Pretty intense, you know. Gotta appreciate, like, I believe that's the director's cut. 
it's a bit more uh, violent in the director's cut. Yeah, it's mostly off screen, but like you can tell very much tell what's happening at least in the cut I saw. Uh, yeah, but um, and it's like you see, it's like really like when like in his chalkboard thing. It, it I think it was in that scene. I might be wrong, but like uh, it says like uh, murder, and and like he looks in a mirror and it says red rum. And then it yeah. turns around and actually just says murder. Like, I thought that was interesting because it's like she didn't write Red Rum, but it's just he saw Red Rum. So it's like a nice little uh, reference to The Shining. And, like, there are a lot of references to The Shining throughout it. Um, but, like, I never felt like it was too much. Like, I never felt like it was, I mean, maybe some of the later scenes, but, like, it felt I like it was its own thing for the most part. All back to The Shining was pretty well done. I mean, of course, the climax or, well, finale of the movie happens at the Overlook, which we'll get to, but mm-hmm. I wanted to say that. I, I think uh, Carl Lumbly, that's the actor that plays uh, Dick Halloran in this movie, did an excellent job. Yeah, I really liked um, I liked all the actors that were playing the characters. There's uh, the guy playing Dick. Uh, I, I forget the actor's name, but whoever it was playing Wendy, um, yeah. who was basically doing like a Shelley Duvall impression, which I, I thought was really good. I thought she did it very well and i like that a lot more and same with uh later in the film um, there's Henry thomas i think that's his name oh uh, but the guy playing um jack, uh, jack you know when he's at the bar like instead of lloyd it's Henry pretty Henry much the same scene uh, i i really like that they didn't do a cgi they didn't cgi him to look like plastic yeah. versions uh, i like that i mean it is like you know it doesn't completely look like them but i, I appreciate that they didn't do that stupid like um you know they're gonna cgi yeah, and it looks like complete garbage. Um, um, what was I gonna say along with that? Oh yeah, Henry. Fun fact: the guy who plays Jack in Doctor Sleep is the fucking kid from ET. And it is what the fuck? Yeah, you didn't know that. I didn't. I've never seen ET. I I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I don't fucking remember anything, but. Yeah, it is Henry Thomas. Interesting kid from uh, ET who is apparently he was in Honey Hill House and Blind Manor as well. He's in uh, fucking uh, Midnight Mass too. So oh, he's he... in. It looks like he's part of like the kind of the Mike Flanagan gang of actors. He was also in Gerald's Game and Ouija Origin of Evil. Yeah, um, which yeah. I find very cool. Yeah, um, I know you really like uh, Mike Flanagan as director, right? Yeah, I do. I think I haven't seen his older movies, but everything from like Hill House and on, I've seen pretty much, except for Hush. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I like. I think he's one of the more interesting horror directors uh, because he definitely has a very distinct style. Even though I'm kind of mixed on his films, like I really enjoyed uh, Haunting of Hill House and Oculus, uh, and this is also pretty good. But I, I didn't like. Hush, Absenture, and Blind Manor. I thought those were a little bit meh. Um, I mean, he wasn't really that attached to Blind Manor. It was just mainly... He, he directed? I think he directed, like, the first episode. That's it. Oh, I thought he directed the whole thing for some reason. I'm stupid. Nah, it was a whole bunch of fucking directors. I don't know their names. Hmm. Which is, I mean... I want to see Midnight Mass. I heard it's good. Yeah, I, I, it's all Mike Flanagan from Midnight Mass, and you can definitely tell, because Mike Flanagan has that significant style, especially with the lighting and Mike Flanagan stuff. The way he uses lights is very distinct, in my opinion. Yeah, it's almost got like a... Um, I don't know how to describe of, it. A little bit of like a Fincher look to it, in a way. Uh, like David Fincher, a little bit, I think. It's like a, um, like if you squint your eyes and look at the light, that's what it kind of looks like in his movies. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has a distinct, um, Mike Flanagan look to it. Um, There's also some, there's, there's also some scenes that are, um, uh, especially towards the end, there's like that signature, um, thing that he has in a lot of his stuff where like a whole bunch of, um, like group of like dead looking people, like dead-looking people with, like, weird eyes are, like, surrounding someone. I, I noticed that that's been in several of his things. It was in this, it was in Hill House, it was in Oculus. Um, <laughs> I don't know, that's just, uh, I guess it's something he likes. Oculus. Oculus is good. I like Oculus. I, like, it was at the time where I was just not 
I was into film, but I wrote off horror at the time. I don't know why, because I'm stupid, and now it's my favorite fucking genre, but I just kind of wrote off horror movies that as just stuff people went to see at the theaters to laugh at. Hmm. I, I just, yeah. But anyways, um... It does have good cinematography, but it, it doesn't... It's nowhere nearly as good as the Shining cinematography, in my opinion. I don't think it's... Like, it's good, but it's not even close to, like, as good as The Shining, in my opinion. It's, it's, yeah, I wouldn't say it's as good as The Shining, but I... It's going for something different. I think it's pretty good in Doctor Sleep, because I remember earlier in the film when they meet the new girl that the true knight is bringing along after they discover her, that beach sequence, when they're on the beach and they're giving her a taste of... Um, the soul steam, yeah, the soul steam from one of their victims. Uh, oh, yeah, fun fact. Uh, the actor of her, I think her name's Snakebite Andy, I think was her name. Hold up, I don't want to know. Yeah, um, she was the actor of one of the characters as a kid in Enter the Void. I always bring up that movie, but. <laughs> um, yeah, she was like played like a little girl in that. Um, I, I don't know how old she was, probably like I don't know, four or five. So that's interesting. Speaking uh, of actors who were who have been in different things, the fucking um, the tall guy in the true knot, I don't remember his name, but is the fireman from 20 season three. Yeah, yeah, we brought that up in the um. Uh, our catching up episode, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, I think I brought up uh, Robert Longstreet is his name, who also works a lot for Mike Flanagan, hmm. who I think is underrated as an actor in general. I think his best role yet was is in Midnight Mass. But yeah. um, anyways, going on between like just talking about. Doctor Sleep and the differences between the two cuts. Um, there was the uh, extended cut. In the extended cut, I mean, um, there's a scene where uh, Abra is playing the piano, and they like hear the same song playing the piano downstairs while she is asleep. They investigate it, and they see that the piano is playing itself. Basically, Abra is playing it in her dreams, which is a very neat detail. It kind of explores her powers a little bit more than just mm. a, uh, I almost say spoon, but like utensil scene. Oh yeah, when they're all like stuck to the ceiling. Yeah. Um, I will say I, I don't really care about the whole Abra storyline. Um, which maybe isn't good because that's a huge part of the story. Um, I just, I don't really care. I just care more about, like, what's going on with, like, uh, Dan and, like, the, um, uh, True Nazi, you know, them doing their thing. And, like, even though it all, you know, works together, I just, I don't really care about that ever character. It's just, like, I never really, I feel like it's kind of a cliche, like, the, she's kind of, like, like, extremely powerful or whatever, like, the very powerful child. Uh, I feel like that's kind of kind of a cliche. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't really care. I, don't um, I, I mean, I understand the cliche part, but I feel like this movie did it better than a lot of movies do. But anyways, um, as I mentioned before, the uh, baseball sequence is extended, and the director's cut, and it's it's a lot more gruesome. Oh, when uh, the uh, Jacob Tremblay gets brutally murdered. Yeah, poor Jacob Tribbley, who does a fantastic job in the very little amount of screen time he has. Yeah, I was going to say in the Shining episode, uh, compare, like, the apparently Danny Lloyd not knowing he was in a horror movie to Jacob Tremblay getting, like, fucking disemboweled <laughs> or whatever they do. <laughs> kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's a lot gorier in the director's cut. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good scene. Yeah. I, I don't and really... I can't take the um. I can't take the sucking the steam, 
like the huffing steam thing. I just I can't really take that seriously. It's like whenever someone dies and they're doing that, it just I don't know. It just seems kind of goofy to me. Um, I don't know. I just I, I can't really take that uh, seriously. Um, I don't know. It's it. It works for me. It's not like terrifying to me or anything, but like I get it. I don't. I don't find it off-putting. Um, They're like vampire crackheads, except for it's stole soul stain. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Aber's dad. I don't remember this exact detail, but Aber's dad learns about the baseball boy and defends his daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. I this. It's it's a bit more elaborated on in the director's cut. Yeah, because he's like mad that she's talked to Dan, right? I forget. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, I mean, it does look suspect. Fucking old guy shows up to talk yeah. with a child. Fucking get Chris Hansen up in here, you know? Yeah, and then poor the dad gets murdered in the film. It is a bit odd that they would not, that they would stay in their house. When they like do the trick, when they like trick them and like uh, the whole uh, true not gang, they go out to like find her in the woods, and then she's just like kind of like projecting herself over there. It's kind of odd that they would stay in their house. Like, I mean, it seems like that would be kind of you know, because because the guy just like walks in and like kills kills the father. Um, it's just the father alone. I think the mother is at work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like the scene when they there's kind of like a shootout, which is like a bit unexpected. I didn't oh, yeah, expect to see a shootout, but like I, I like that scene. It's good. And like, uh, who is it? I think it's I think it's the uh, Stankwhite Andy character. She tells the friend to like kill himself. That's kind of like a oh, yeah. the friend is. Um, I don't remember the actor's name. Fuck, but um, he's a famous uh, indigenous New Zealand actor. Hmm. Uh, I think it was a Star Wars too, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not Star Wars. Maybe, maybe don't ignore me. Anyways, um, there's uh more Dan and Jack in the extended cut. Like the conversation's a bit longer. Yeah, and I, I think that's generally the main differences between the two. Okay, so it's basically like there's some extended scenes. Yeah, pretty much. It's not. There's not like a huge. Oh, okay. So I was just. Uh, all right. Um. Yeah. I, even though it's like two and a half hours long, I don't think it ever really drags. I, I think it goes by pretty quickly. Yeah, it does a very good job of. Uh, I don't want to say padding, but like using its runtime to the its advantage. Let's see what happens in the movie. They like the true knots find Abra, and then they take her, and then like. Wait. Yeah, they take her and then she like escapes somehow. She like like Dan like kinda like possesses her or something and like makes her makes him crash the car. And she escapes and then they go up to the overlook. Um yeah. and Yeah, and then like once they get to the overlook, I think they kind of do too many of like the um kinda like uh uh shining references. Uh like the uh, it, the same shot of like them driving there, then like the shot of like Dan looking through the uh, extra door. I mean, that's not exactly the same. Maybe that one's not that bad, but like um, when Rose like walks in, uh, Rose the hat, I remember Becca Ferguson's character. She like walks walks past the elevator and she sees blood coming out, and it's like, yeah, but why would she see that? That's not just like there's always blood in the elevator. That was something very specific to the first movie with Danny, you know? Like, I, know I, I don't know. That was a bit know. odd, or like um. When Rose is in the maze, uh, there's like kind of a reference to like when you know Jack's in the maze, or obviously when uh, Rose is like walking up the stairs towards Dan, and he's like walking backwards. It's exactly the same as like the scene with Jack and Wendy. Um, I, I think the guy with the like cracked open head shows up and says, "Great party." Does he say um, that? Does he say that here? I have that in my notes, but I don't remember that. Sure he's probably there because the old fucking caretaker. From the Shining is there also, along with Jack, of course. But uh, and the twins are there. But I mean, it's all different actors, of course. 
Yeah. You know, like of all things, for them, you probably wouldn't notice them because they're just presented as the ghost of the shining. I mean, that shiny overlook. Yeah, all the um, like kind of shining references. Um, it kind of reminded me of the movie Train Spotting Two. Um, I'm not sure. Have you seen either Train Spotting movie? I have not. No. Uh, which also has Ewan McGregor as the main guy. But, uh, like, in that sequel, it's like there's a lot of parts. It's an entire different story. But, like, they have a lot of stuff where they just kind of reference the first one. But it's all just, like, kind of like a, a visual thing. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I specifically I thought like of Transpiring 2. sequel, um, like, really just came and went. Even though it got, as far as I'm aware, good a good reception. There's also a um, fake-looking dead baby that shows up kind of like in... Train spotting. So. I just, I just felt like the reception, or I don't know. I felt the train spotting too was going to be bigger than it was. It was like, oh, it's here and it's gone. Yeah, I, I like that film. I, I don't love it. I think it. I don't, I I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not reviewing Train Spotting too, but like, I, it's just kind of. It, it's a good movie in its own right, but it's not nearly as good as the first one. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel the same about this, to be honest. Um, uh, let's see what else. Um, There's um, the scene where Abra meets Rose the Hat and makes herself known to Rose the Hat at the. Um, no, it's not the grocery store. It's Rose the Hat, and she like digs through these fowls. On yeah, it's like the like inside her mind, and she's like, yeah. I like when it like slams it shut and like dig loves her hand. That was kind of cool. Great scene. Yeah, the whole part when, like, Rose is, like, flying, like, through, like, uh, she's, like, floating, and she, like, floats, like, down uh, over, like, into her room. That was cool. I like that. Cool shot scene. Cool visual. This movie's more, like, it's less horror in my mind. Yeah, more, like, dark fantasy, I guess you can call it. Yeah, like, there are horror elements, of course, with, like, the, you know, stalking and, like, you know, murdering children, but, like, I don't know, it doesn't it never really feels like it's trying to be uh like scary. scary and it never feels like it's trying to be like the shining where it has like that atmosphere of like dread and paranoia. Um yeah. Which I think but, works to its benefit. Because yeah, but I like think copying the shining for the second film would have been eh. Hmm. Um I, I forget, why did they go to the Overlook Hotel again? Um um, because like I, all the, all the like to, uh, take, they go there because it's a very powerful place and it's where Danny figured he could take Rose the hat and basically kill her there, because his whole plan was to let the hotel kill her, and that's what happens. Really, yeah, but like they go there and then like pretty soon after they get there, the hotel like kills her but like that's not how it worked in like the shining you know this is like playing by the same rules i'm guessing as the original shining movie did since it is a very direct sequel uh, you know it's not like they made like dr sleep and just adapted it from the book and like have this vague like you know it's not actually a sequel it is a sequel to the shining i feel like it more went for the book adaptation than just a sequel to the shining personally yeah it, it's both but like I don't know. It's, like, kind of odd that, like, all the ghosts would just, like, show up and, like, consume Rose. And, like, and they, like, kind of, like, possess Dan as well, right? Like, kind of, um... Yeah, it almost happens, but Dan learns to release the monsters as he's locked in his head. As you mentioned before, he kind of, like, locks these things in a little, like, these chest if you will in his mind so he like basically unlocks all of them and helps and it uses them to help take down Rosa Hat. Yeah. Um the thing when he becomes like possessed and like, possessed and like chases Abra, um I I I looked it up, I read like the plot description of Doctor Sleep, the book. Um so I guess spoilers for that, even though I haven't actually read it. Um that's not in the book. And see what that is pretty much is just like um uh kind of uh I'm not it's not really a reference, but it's like they take the storyline from the ending 
of the the shining where jack becomes like possessed and chases danny uh they even have the same scene where she like confronts him i talked about a little bit in the um when we talked about the shining in part two but um i don't really think it works that well because like in the book it's like in in the shining when jack does that it's like that's the whole um i don't know it's like dan kind of is like kind of a stand-in for uh jack in this, like he's kind of goes through the same arc, like recovering from the alcoholism and going up to the hotel and becoming possessed. Um, but like, it doesn't have the same um, like emotional weight as the book did. And like, I, I don't really think that section of it works. It just feels a little bit cheap to me. Maybe it's just because I'm uh, looking into it, uh, the comparison too much, but like it, that not being in the book of Dr. Sleep, I feel like um, they wanted to make it like, kind of like the shining book, you know, cause like, um, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't really... didn't take it at, like that at all. I read it like Jack, and not Jack, Danny gets possessed because of the hotel, not because he's going through the same arc as Jack. He's going through the He's opposite. not going through this. Yeah, he's not going through the same arc. It's just kind of like there are elements of like the, um, you know, like we said in the Shine discussion, like uh, Jack's alcoholism is like it's barely brought up at all. Like that's not really a huge part of it. So like, it's like they're taking parts of Jack's art in the shining book and putting into here, like him, you know, recovering from the alcoholism and, um, you know, getting possessed and stuff. But like, yeah, it's not, he's going through the same arc. It's not like they're just taking that part and using it. It's like, I don't know. There's just parts of it. And I don't think it works as well, especially if that wasn't in the original Dr. Sleep book. Um, Wait, I don't know. Danny isn't an alcoholic in the book. No, he is. Um, the him getting possessed and chasing everything. Um, I, I, I just read that as the hotel was now after they got Rose yeah. was going after Danny because he's back. Yeah, and the ho- hotel knew him. But anyways, that's the point in the movie where he realizes that the hotel needs to burn down, which is how the book Shining ends. Yeah. So it's their way of finally getting rid of the shine, uh, the overlook. I keep calling it the fucking shining for some reason. Yeah. Um, it's their way of getting rid of the overlook. And so Danny locks himself in with the boiler room and burns down the overlook. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much I have, how much more I have to say about this movie, um, but uh... and uh, yeah, I mean after that, there's a scene where she's talking to Dan's projection, just like Dan's spoke the dick. Your audio sounds a bit wacky. <clears throat> My phone was a bit away from me. Oh, okay. Um. But, uh, yeah, she sees, like, um, Dan kind of, like, appears to Abra, uh, kind of, like, I guess, like, how Dick was, like, appearing to Danny. Um, yeah. He, he kind of has that same, like, uh, I don't know, role or whatever. And, um, uh, oh, yeah, it, it kind of has, like, a positive ending, um, which I, I know Stephen King really liked this movie. He said that it kind of uh, resolve some of the, a lot of the issues he had with the original Shining as well. Uh, so that's good. So, like, King King liked it, but, like, I really don't think Kubrick would like this movie because I, I think it takes away a lot of what um, The Shining was going for and, like, it kind of being a sequel, you know, but, like, you know, more of a sequel to the book or whatever. Um, but let's see. What other notes do I have? Do you have much more to say about this or should we uh, wrap no. up the discussion? I don't really have that much more to say. It's kind of weird how it jumps eight years, and um, the guy that helps Dan, like, you know, he, like, brings him to the Alcohols Anonymous and stuff. He looks, like, exactly the same. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was a bit. (laughs) Um, uh, People don't age, didn't you know? Yeah, maybe he was, uh, maybe he was originally going to be a twist villain. And he was like actually one of the steam vampires. No, very cheap. I know, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. For being like a sequel to The Shining, 
it, it could have been like really bad. Like I'm imagining like a like a really basic like haunted house type movie made in like the '90s with like a rapper or something in it. That's called like The Shining Two Bloodline. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah, I would give this like a six out of ten. Uh, if I were to, yeah, like I, I don't, I don't love it, but like I don't really hate it either. Like some people hate this movie and some people really love it. I'm pretty much in the middle. Um, there's just a huge chunk of the story I don't care about, and like. Like I said before, I think elements of what made The Shining so good are kind of cheapened if you're saying like this is like a direct sequel to it, um, which I don't like because I, I, you know, I really love The Shining. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it's good. It's solid. I think it's um, it's definitely the best sequel to a Kubrick film I've seen. You know, Cough Cough 2010, Space Odyssey. <laughs> it's not a very it's a pretty terrible movie. 2010 is... Is it called a Space Odyssey? Hold on, let me look this up. Um, I don't think it is. It's called Space Odyssey. No, it's just called 2010. Oh, yeah, okay. 2010 sucks. Fuck 2010. I know there's several book sequels, but... Yeah, but the movie is bad. It's, it's not very good. It's boring as fuck. So it's not like the sequel was just there to capitalize upon the movie. <laughs> There's like five or four or five book sequels. Yeah, but like, I didn't Cooper change the book? Didn't he like change like the ending? Uh, I'm not really sure. I haven't read the book. Yeah, he he changed it because all of his adaptations were kind of loose adaptations. Uh, how would you rate this one? Okay. I would give it. I gave it a. I would give, like, the regular version of the movie probably, like, an 8 out of 10. Hmm. The extended cut, a 9 out of 10. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the extended cut at some point. Um, I, I don't think it'll change my view on it drastically or anything, but I'd still like to see it. Um, yeah, I can, I can see why you like it, but I'm just not really into it. It's, I don't know, it's fine, I guess. Um, I have a few notes about the Doctor Sleep book. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about this with Liam, but he's not here, so maybe we should just skip this over, because I haven't read the book. I haven't read any of it. Um, yeah. But there are a few points that are a bit interesting. Um, apparently, in the book, they're like uh, steam... I'm just going to call them steam pyres. They're like steam vampires. Steam pyres. That's stupid. Um, they're like dying of measles. Oh. <laughs> okay. They're like... They, like, sucked the steam out of, like, a kid with measles, and then got measles. Sounds kind of stupid, but okay. Um, for being, like, a... Uh, okay. Apparently, uh, let's see what else. Abra predicts 9-11? That's touched upon in the movie, but it's kind of a throwaway line. Uh, I didn't catch that in the movie. It might have been just a extended cut thing, then. Hmm. Um, also, let's see... Dan goes to see, like, Abra's mother, who is dying, and she tells him that Dan is actually Abra's uncle, I think. It's like, she's, like, his half-sister or something, because, like, Jack was her father. I think that's what it was. At least that's what it said in the Wikipedia plot description. So what? I guess, like, Dan's, like, his, Dan's Abra's, like, uncle in it, so that's, I guess, that's why she is such a strong shine. Uh... I don't know, I haven't read the book, so maybe I'm messing something up. Um, and then Dan, like, as she's, like, dying, he, like, he, like, consumes her, like, cancer steam, because she has cancer. Then he, like, gives that to, like, the steam pyres, and they all, like, get cancer and die. <laughs> Apparently, because they consume the cancer fumes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I might be wrong about this, but this is what it said in the Wikipedia thing. Also, apparently, Jack's ghost like teams up with them and helps them because like they they go to where the Overlook was, but it's not the Overlook. It's like a campsite or something. Um. Yeah. So like they do go there because like, that's the one thing I was like, you know, I was really wondering like how that all played out with the Overlook being burnt down in the book. I mean, I haven't. I might read this at some point. I'm not that interested, but like, um, I, I might because I really like the Shining book. Um. And, uh, yeah, there's none of, like, the Dan being possessed, and he doesn't die either. Um, so, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, he kind of, like, makes peace with, like, 
Jack's ghost, which is a bit odd, but considering like how the book ends. But okay, <clears throat> that's that's about all I gotta say about the book because I haven't read it. So I would give what I read about the book a six point five out of ten. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> help me out over here. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's that much else to talk about with the movie or book. Yeah, and that's that's about it. We can just move on into the questions. Okay. Um so there we kind of finished our, our huge um shining mega episode where we talked about everything shining related. So that was fun. But um alright. So question time. Um if you wanna ask your own questions you can leave them in the YouTube comments section or you can join one of the Discord servers and ask in a podcast channel because we have those there in the Discord servers that are linked. Um, first question um, from Chief Drip. So shout out Chief Drip. Um, if you were on your deathbed and you had one last movie you could watch, what would it be? Ooh, um... Logistics, so I can just live for an extra month. <laughs> nah, uh... I wouldn't choose that. That would be boring. I would die of boredom. Uh, one movie for my deathbed. One last movie. So, am I dying like now? Am I like dying like right now, or is it like I'm an old man? Because like I want to say like Enter the Void, but like if I was an old man, I might like die midway through Enter the Void because it's. <laughs> um, let's just assume it's like I'm dying now for some reason. And I have to choose my last movie. Um. What do you mean dying now? Well, like, if I'm, like, 98 years old and I'm on my deathbed, I might not want to watch Enter the Void, you know? Because, like, I don't think old people like Enter the Void. So, like, I'm going to assume that I'm not, like, old or, like, extremely frail. I want to be able to watch whatever. Do you know what I mean? I I think it's just, like, if you had, like, the time and nothing is going to interrupt that time you have to watch one last movie, what would you choose? Hmm... I want to choose something that's like a, a real experience of a movie, you know? Something like 2001 Space Odyssey or like a, an elephant sitting still or something like that. Or like A Brighter Summer Day by Edward Yang. That would be a good one. I don't know if I want to go with like Possession. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very bleak way to end my life. Ah, fuck it. Makes it sound like I'm <laughs> killing myself, but uh, I just I would want to watch something I know and love. I think actually no, I, I'd go with like Interstellar probably. Hmm, that's a good one. Because I feel like Interstellar has a bit of hope. Behind I would it. choose an elephant sitting still because it's the most depressing, bleak thing I could possibly think of. And it, it's it's very great as long, so I get like an extra like four hours. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd go elephant sitting still. Um, uh-huh. all right, next question from Heisenberg. So, shout out Heisenberg out here making making that good math, that pure shit. Am I right? Um, do you ever plan to make movies in the future or be part of movies in some way? Damn, Hopefully. I wish Liam was here because I know he wants to. Uh, anyway, like, what? Hopefully. But I don't know. Um, I considered uh, trying to go to like film school, um, and become like a director or something. But like, I really don't think I'm enough of like an artist in quotes uh, to do that. Plus, it would be like really hard to get anywhere in the film industry. Um, I don't know. I might try and make like short films just like independently or something at some point. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't plan on like you know I don't have like great dreams to be of becoming like a you know, the next Stanley Kubrick or something. Because um, <laughs> I am a talentless hack. For me, um, I would like to, but, you know, it's kind of hard to get a footing in the industry, so I don't know if it would ever happen, but it'd be very cool if it could happen, if I could, like, make the movies I want to make, because I do have a lot of ideas, but yeah. Top 10 ways to get into the film industry. Be related to Francis Ford Coppola. That's it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, next question from Who Man? 
Human. All right. Um, are LGBT plus characters? Wait. Are LGBT plus characters being overused in series and movies for making series and movies more relevant to a larger audience? Um. What? Like okay. Gay characters. You read the question. No, are LGBT plus characters or making series movies are being overused in series movies for making series and movies more relevant for tool. Like, I think what they're okay, trying to say is like, big. are they, I would say, it was I a mean, very oddly worded question, but I know what you're saying now. Yeah. Um, I would I, say it's only if they're, if they're putting in, there is definitely stuff where they try and force in, you know, LGBT plus characters into it to be ex- inclusive in some way and show it's like, in, in the same kind of way, something that would have like a, you know, it's been like, um, you know, like the token black character or a token Asian character. Uh, but in general, I don't think there's anything forced about having LGBT plus characters in it, as long as that's not their entire purpose. It's not like, all right, we have the we have the gay side character because we're being progressive, you know. If it's not forced, uh, I don't think there's anything that's, you know, yeah. if there's more characters that are more diverse and stuff, I don't think there's anything problem with taking characters that are not LGBT or a different race and making them that race, which I feel like it'd be better for representation if you took original characters that are just, like, inherently gay or straight or... Oh, do you mean, like, how they're saying Superman is bisexual? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care if he is or not, but, like, I feel like it... It's forced to just say that, to try and make it relevant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with having, you know, uh, diverse characters in something. It's more of the way they're used in. Like, if it's yeah. their entire purpose of being gay is just to be, like, oh, inclusive, and, you know, we're throwing it in. That's stupid, and it's forced. But, like, yeah, if that is, you know, part of their character, I don't think there's anything really forced about it. Um... Yeah, I agree. Also from Human, um, is it pronounced GIF or GIF? It's GIF, GIF. you fucking animal. Hard G. GIF. GIF. Next, Next uh, from Mav. If you were to <laughs> reboot a horror movie, which movie would it be, and who would you cast as as the leads? Um, um, I don't know. I would reboot Hellraiser, because we need a fucking new good Hellraiser movie, in my opinion. Do we, though? We have the original. I like the original, but technically you can make it a sequel. You, I'm, like, I'm not saying we make the original. I'm saying, like, make a sequel, but, yeah, just make a fucking good Hellraiser movie again. I would reboot The Silence of the Lambs and have Army Hammer as Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> um, um I think of any other movies that might need a reboot maybe something that wasn't particularly great but had good ideas i feel like we answered a question like this similar uh or <sighs> i feel like we answered a similar question like this at some point um hmm. what's well, like a hmm. how about like a we can how about like a remake of like microwave massacre and have like daniel day lewis in it <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Yeah, just we make a bad horror movie and just get someone new. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a good answer. Uh, that type of question, um, I kind of uh, we've answered that type of thing before. I never really have a good answer for it. Um, we got a few more here. Um, asking again, only for the special guests. Oh, we don't have any special guests, so I'll just save that. <laughs> um all right uh we got a very similar question from both bunny and van so shout out both bunny and van for asking the same type of question um if any <clears throat> if any what's a scene that scared slash horrified you the most to a point it stays with you um hmm. Hmm. <sighs> um final scene in saw has kind of burned itself into my mind because I saw it on TV when I was kind of young. Uh, involving a saw and a, and a foot that kind of burned it. It didn't really scare me, but it's just like, it's kind of burnt into my memory. I was terrified as 
of Chucky when I was a child, so I was like paranoid that this doll would be like behind me or near me, hidden in the shadows or some shit. Hmm. I think we talked um, about this uh, very similar when we talked about like the um, yeah. childhood, you know, what traumatized you as a child. It, the scene in uh, From Dusk Cold Dawn, when all the vampires turn it, or when all the people turn into vampires, that scene kind of stuck with me just because I was young when I saw it. Yeah, uh, um, other really than that, really. Um, just the entirety of possession. Fuck yeah. Great movie. Yeah, that's about it. That's all I have to say. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. I feel like there is something. It doesn't have to be a horror movie. It can just be anything. Scene that's horrified me most to a point that stays with me. Um, the big reveal in The Brood by Cronenberg. I haven't seen that. It's my favorite Cronenberg movie. Hmm. There's a scene, the last, like, the last, like, shot of the David Lynch film Lost Highway. Uh, it didn't scare me or horrify me, but it very much uh, confused and unsettled me. Uh, <laughs> The first time I seen it, uh, the ending of Twin Peaks season three. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually that's actually a really good one. That that entire show, uh, the whole third season, kind of um, creeped me out a lot in parts. Uh, there's some yeah pr- pretty creepy shit going on in there. Um, yeah, that's about it. I don't think I I, th- I think we answered the question well enough. Um, um, the, I think I got like two more. Okay, there's the climax of. Lake Mungo, that mm. one scene. If you know, you know. Yes. Um, what was the other one I was going to fucking say? Shit, what was it? Fuck, I just had it, but then I got distracted by something else. Hmm. What fucking scene horrified me or stuck with me? It was a very infamous scene in Irreversible. Which um, usually sticks with people who watch it. I'm not gonna. If you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's it. That's that's all I could think of at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I don't have. Ah, like I've said a billion times before, there's not a lot of stuff that scares or horrifies me anymore. So most of the stuff would be stuff I saw as a kid, and we kind of talked about that in one of the previous episodes. Um. Uh, so that's about it. Um, next episode, um, will be the last episode of, um, October. So, you know, our last horror episode of the month, um, where we'll be talking about some classic slasher movies, um, four of them in particular. Uh, which ones are we going to be talking about over here? Um, Freddy the 13th, Halloween. Nightmare in Elm Street and um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, that's gonna be epic. Um, I recently saw two of those in a drive-in theater, and it was epic. There is also another episode that we are going to record next weekend. We might. Um, yeah. Are we gonna do that, or are we gonna do that in November? I. I feel like, I don't know, shit. Because, like, we can do that since it's horror month, but, like, we don't have to. You know, we can just push that off to a, you know, a later date and, and like, do a full episode. I could, like, rewatch it and take a bunch of notes and stuff. Um, I mean, I feel like I should kind of do it. So we don't, like, fucking put another horror movie in November, but I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's like, not like we're going to stop talking about horror. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Um, we may, we very much might have two episodes coming out next Monday. Yeah, so that might be kind of epic. And there might be a very, very special guest coming on as well. Possibly two of them. Perhaps. I don't know. Maybe we'll just do the slasher movies. I, I don't know. 
But um, yeah. Uh, so check that out uh, if you want. Check out the letterbox. That'll link and everything and the YouTube channel. Go over there and leave a like on the video if you're listening to on Spotify. Um, because that, what what does that do? What does leaving a like do? So let's just know that you like it. So yeah. you can't do that on Spotify. So yeah. Um, maybe hit the notification bell and, and that subscribe button as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about it. So uh, see you next week. Adios. Yeah, you Craig. Bruh.